if you had 50 grand in the bank at the beginning of 2021, you'll be shocked that you might be shocked to discover that it's only worth 43,000 today. We are being robbed. In this episode, we're going to talk about how the financial system is robbing you of your everyday money on a daily basis. And we're going to explore exactly how this is happening and what you can do to hedge against it. Now, before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about our recent conversation on the Navigating the Financial Reset um, program, where we got together to look at how you can hedge the current inflation, which is going to be a big topic for today. If you haven't yet checked out the Navigating the Financial Reset group, we come together twice a month to explore the changing financial landscape and how you can orientate yourself within this changing financial world. To find out more about that program, go to weareelevate.org forward slash NFR. Sam, welcome back to this latest episode of the Uncharted Territory podcast. We're being robbed, a bold claim, but it's the truth. Every day, our, the value of our cash is deteriorating. And the sad part is most people aren't even aware that it's happening. 100% Dan, that's why it's a crucial discussion. And so many people don't understand the basics of our fiat system and what's been going on, you know, through our lifetimes and how much value we are being robbed of. And so understanding that's crucial. And I, you know, it says Dan, I started talking, you know, over two years ago now about the financial reset, because our debt based system, where people are being robbed daily is a huge part of the control mechanism of this world. So we're always talking about the concerns we have of the control, you know, uh, from from the state, and, you know, debt is a tool of control. You know, John Adams was, you know, one of the early presidents of the United States said there are two ways to conquer and enslave a nation. One is by the sword. The other is with debt. OK, and that's really primed to understand that we, we're talking about, you know, money, but people think sometimes that's just about, you know, how well off are you? But actually, the current system is a tool of control. And that's why we need to look at it and free ourselves, because being in debt, to, to the state and, and their systems and being a victim of it leads to dependence and that's where they want people. So that's why it's really crucial to look at this and we can get, educate ourselves to look at that because people understand that are not as controlled and they are able to make moves. And that's why it's really critical to underpin this whole conversation by understanding the problems with the fiat currency system that we've been living under. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's it's something that we're not really talking taught in schools. If you happen to study economics, you'll get it. You'll get a flavor of it, but you won't get the whole story. But it's, you know, let's not sugarcoat it. it it's a heist. You know, right yeah. now, inflation is, you know, it's again, depending on what measure you use. And maybe we'll talk about the controversies about how yeah. governments are changing the definition of inflation. They're changing the definitions of recession to change the meaning around these things. But by all intents and purposes, we're close to you know, nearly double digit inflation for, for nearly 12 months. You know, for the, everything from the price of bread to your electricity, fuel, your, your daily goods, you know, everything is more expensive. My wife and I, you know, we've been, both been very, very busy recently. So we, you know, to tune out, we started watching this simple um, Netflix series called Million Pound Menu, which is it follows these food, food traders and uh, aspiring restaurateurs. And it's kind of like a dragon's den for, mm. for food. Um, and it was filmed in 2018, 2019. And, you know, that they have to present their menu and how much things cost. And like main courses for like six pounds, <laughs> eight pounds. And it's just like, whoa, we forget how, far, you know, when you go to the restaurant now, I mean, you wouldn't even get a starter for six to eight pounds or even a yeah. side in some cases. You know, we, we because it's like our hair, you know, we don't notice how our hair grows on a daily basis. The same is true of inflation. It's happening every single day, but we may not notice it until it suddenly creeps up upon us. Absolutely. The reality is our, you know, our hard-earned cash is eroding in value and the culprits are inflation and the uncertainty around the, the financial future. And this is a mechanism of the system. I'm so pleased you said it's, it's, it's a tool of the control system because it creates dependency 
on debt. And what's more, in the last three years of crazy money printing, unprecedented, I hate that word now. I mean, how many times have people used that? I need to erase it from my mind. <laughs> or, or just reclaim our words. That's another whole story. But Take it back, Dan. Take, take it back. It back. Um, crazy money printing. And for many people that awaken people, um, you know, the COVID chapter awakened people to the control mechanisms and the kind of overall agendas and trajectories of the world that we're on. But I've actually got a whole set of people who haven't necessarily followed the COVID story, but the economic story, they're like, what is going on? Yeah. This is this is not right. Yeah. Um, and as a result, you know, it's important to get awareness of how this financial mechanism, how this system is actually eroding your money. You know, in, in real terms, you know, we'll, and, and today's episode, we'll look at some of the numbers because yep. until you see the numbers and see the charts, you're like, whoa, because you see, and I, I was going to bring a 20 pound note, Sam, and I haven't, I haven't actually brought it with me, but you know, to, you look at the 20 pound note and it, it doesn't change in form. Well, okay. If, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a notable, this becomes deceased, but, you know, we, we, we say that we saw the shift from the, the queen to the king, but that's, that's a whole different point. The point is the 20 on the 20 pound note. You see that and you think you've got 20 pounds in your hand, but the reality is the 20 pounds that you had in 2020 and the 20 pounds you had in your head in 2023 represent very different values in real terms. Yeah. So it's important that we understand this, Sam, so, so that we can make sense of how this system is actually deteriorating our value and it's affecting all of us. Whilst, of course, the rich get richer, the inequalities rise, yeah. and, and the system is geared for money to flow upwards. What we want to do is understand how we can take control of our financial future, how we can get financial independence, not necessarily meaning financial freedom. That's something if you want to aspire to it, you know, having the ability to, to, to make financial choices that are beyond your current circumstances. Independence is understanding, to me at least, how we can... Uh, we, we can act in spite of the financial system and that we can find ways to take sovereignty of our own financial future, our own economic future. And it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum, because, you know, when we talk about asset protection, people are like, what assets? Mm -hmm. You know, I get it. Like, you know, I've gone through financial strife during my adult life. I haven't come from from wealth or money, but my, my family's, you know, they've they've come from. You know, they've, they've they've risen up from poverty over the years, in fact, my family. And so I know I know that place. But ultimately, we are in charge of our ship our financial destiny if we make that choice the hard thing right now with everything that's going on in the world sam is that you know if this is like this warlike mentality and it's you know it's, it's, it's difficult to say that now when there is so much actual war in, in the world but there is this mentality that because of everything that's happened in the last three years we can't take our eye off the ball and, and from fighting the cause but the risk of doing that is we, we 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 lose sight of our own circumstances so i put a post on social media a couple of days ago just saying how do we how do we, at the same time of advancing our own circumstances, the plight of advancing our own circumstances, how do we do that whilst also resisting the global machine and, and, and starting to build towards a brighter future? Because we have to do both. We have to resist and we have to rebuild and we have to look at our own, own circumstances. Because if we fail to do that, then we're not building the armory that we need because ultimately we became vulnerable to what happened the last few years because we weren't prepared, maybe psychologically, emotionally, but also financially because financial independence gives you power. And that's, you know, not power to have power over people. It has power within your own self to be sovereign in your choices. And that's something that we are both deeply passionate about helping people to understand. 100% that because actually protecting your, your value and, and doing well through the financial reset, not being a victim of it, is a way to build for the resistance and to build solutions. You know, that's a really important point. It's not a separate, it's not separate from activism against what's, what's going on and, and, and being very aware of that. It's part of, they absolutely want to wipe people out to make them dependents. 
dependent because it's all about ushering, you know, saving people into a new system. The more independent you can be at every level and, and finance is part of that and then you protect your value, the more options you've got, both for yourself, family, but at a bigger scale for communities to build projects, to build solutions, to, to start, you know, actually growing uh, resistance in, in, a, in a really tangible way, whether that's growing projects or homeschooling projects or, you know, with land. That's why in these, you know, financial resources have always been about them, particularly stripping wealth from the middle classes, because they are a threat to the system in that, you know, growing wealth does lead to more power, more options, be able to get more land, have more say in loan communities. So the, the powers be absolutely understand that, which is why this game is always about, you know, stripping wealth from people and keeping them down at a certain level. So it, it goes hand in hand with this whole system, which is why I was very passionate to educate about it. Because if you said there, you know, the system is designed for you not to understand what's really going on, you know, and I think uh, understandably, you know, financial education is really poor in schools. And as, as we've discussed before, Dan, you've studied some of it. I did A-level economics. I fell asleep in it. It was boring. It bored me to tears. And it didn't really get to the nuts and bolts of money and value and, and money systems. And, you know, everything I've learned, you know, on my own journey in the last 10 years has been transformed in the way I see the economy and the way I see money. That wasn't what I got from mainstream education at all, you know. And we can say that for so many different topics. So understanding that and, and not being scared of looking at it can transform, even if you haven't got a lot of money, because even small changes at a small level consistently can change your situation down the line, put into practice. You know, even if people were stacking into little assets or gold or Bitcoin, you know, in small ways over time, at least you're putting money away into a system that isn't that fear, loss of value that, you know, that's guaranteed. And I really, really like the way you talk about that £20 note down, because it goes for the same. It goes the same uh, for any you know amount of money. People, I always say this: people believe they're in this straight line chart. You know that the twenty pounds are twenty pounds, or the ten thousand pounds, ten thousand pounds. And because I've been educated in charts and financial charts can scare people, they don't know the chart they're in. And that's why I try and educate and show people the fiat chart they're in. You know, which is that absolutely, you know, no upside. You know, losing value all the time and exponentially. That's especially in times of really high money printing like we had in the last uh, three years. And if you really saw that, that would change your opinion of sitting with your value in their centralized fiat cash systems. That would really shift things. And often it does because people are scared. I always say people are scared of looking at asset charts because they have volatility. So they get confused. It's like, well, I don't know where I am. But if you knew where you were in that chart and you knew where, where you came from and where it's going and, and the route is very predictable, that's what should scare you. Well, Sam, okay. I'm going to try and share one of my charts on my screen, actually, because uh, I've got I've got a I've got a chart here that will really show you. Uh, uh, can you see that? You know, the buying power of fifty thousand pounds over time. If you had fifty thousand pounds in 1971, you can see on this chart here. Um, you can see just how between this short period of time in history, really, you know, just over fifty years. Look at the bar. This chart shows you just how much the value of your money is being eroded due to inflation. And you, you, you imagine that, you know, on a day to day basis, it's difficult to see. You know, if you buy a loaf of bread today, it might be five pence more next week, but you, you don't necessarily feel it. But over time, it's important to understand how this is, uh, you know, dri driving, uh, taking money out of your pocket. You know, this is literally how the game is set up. You know, it's, yeah. it, since the 1970s, coming off the gold standard, it's accelerated faster than ever before. Yeah, and actually, Dan, what obviously we talk about the control structure and how that's really benefited them and given them much more power and control and, and robbed a lot of power, you know, power and wealth from, from the man in the street is since we came off that gold standard. And, you know, there's, there are other charts that show that the wealth inequality, which is part of the problem, 
and part of the setup of the system we are this huge wealth inequality ridiculous it has exponentially increased this gap since 1971 because what you had at that system yeah at that, that point was once the the dollar being reserved currency of the world i.e the dominant uh, trading currency because of the america being the you know the superpower what you had there was pre 1971 the dollar being tied to the value of gold therefore you were handing out you know and 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 trading in real promissory notes i.e i promised to pay the bearer and you could go and redeem that so it is backed by the actual tangible metals once we come off that you've got a pure fiat currency whose in, whose whose supply can be increased exponentially and has been unbelievably over that period hence the loss in purchasing power increase in supply but because of the cantonal effect then the people in power you know you talk about the federal reserve that's another huge rabbit hole the federal reserve is not federal at all it's a private <laughs> entity sits above government you know often we talk about we really it's a corporatocracy you know not a democracy at all it's you know big private institutions and corporations who really pull the strings you know you've got you've got um the fact that the money is being printed out of thin air and it's in the hands of the 1% first you know the bankers the government whoever you want to talk about they are they understand those people they printed money out of thin air that has no real value and they buy tangible real world assets with it okay things that do have real value in the world be it land commodities property you know housing but they've essentially got that for free so it's you know it's come is money printed turned on they print that money again but the money supply has been exponentially increased by the time that inflationary effect has drifted down to man in the street that person either in their wages or even like you said then their savings to the bank their purchasing power has been eroded so you can see how the rich get a lot richer and the people at the bottom of the period get poorer through the system and that has happened exponentially in 1971 so it's really start there then as you said you could have had 50 grand in the bank there left it maybe that that was your parents hard earned savings that they've left for you left it there you know safe safe in the bank nominal numbers stayed the same but the reality is you know you've almost lost all of that money through through the increase in the money supply and the purchasing power whereas what what could shift that financial education so the people who understood what happened in 1971 took action and moved their wealth into assets real world assets those people have protected their wealth over time they can be in the same position or even better and that's the huge difference so it's understanding what's gone on you know and getting good education so that you can take good action because people don't know where they are and if you always say if you don't know where you are how can you navigate from there the first thing is to know where you are know the charts you are in and then you might have a different relationship with the other charts you see i think when you when you look at that something like the gold chart or the bitcoin chart will not scare you at all you know it actually go ah i see why people are in growth assets over time yes there's volatility but there's a growth curve in there and actually i'm in the complete opposite chart and that's where i sit my wealth so the other real important fact to talk about dan because because obviously there's a huge campaign to keep cash alive which absolutely support because it's about privacy of transaction but there's a huge difference between what you transact in and what you store your wealth or your value in those are two really important differences to make and i think sometimes people think you know we we talked about gold last week on the on the program people say well no we want to keep cash not to about transacting gold you could still stick with your value in gold and then transact in cash cash that in and use cash to to be spending you know for your daily purchases but where are you sitting with your value that's a different conversation from what do i transact in day to day 
And I think that's an important distinction to make. So I think people get confused about that. Though. It's such an important distinction. And that simplicity, I mean, it's just so simple, you know, transactional value and store of value, two yeah. very different concepts. You know, people were saying that, you know, if, you, if you're buying gold, then you're, you're moving out of cash and we're going to risk losing cash. In the same way, if I buy a coffee, I have less money in my bank account, but the amount of money in circulation doesn't change. It just changes hands. The same is true if you buy any asset. If you buy gold, you're transacting your cash for gold to change a store of value because we're not transacting in gold now. You know, the, the, you know, the gold standard, and I'm so pleased you covered that, you know, the, the abolishment of the gold standard because it was a crazy time because people didn't expect the economy to, you know, to rally after that. It was almost like, you know, there was fears around what happened. There was this fear, almost like the modern day bank run because people realized that all these promising notes were getting issued and there was no, no gold, to, not enough gold to back them, you know? So it's, and that's just continued. That's just continued. Um, but, but there was almost this expectation that the economy would flatline. You know, there was the expectation that the next day that the stock markets would be wild, they'd be crazy. And they were, but for the opposite reason, you yeah. know, and actually the market spiked and you, you, the price of, you know, we were talking about gold in the week. Gold went up nine, has gone up 9,000% in that yeah. time period from like 17 pounds an ounce to now, you know, whatever, close to 2,000. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what's happened. But again, we're seeing gold not as a transactional tool in this case, as a, but as a store of value. And this, this term smart money, and I'm not sure what I think about smart money because it implies that those who <laughs> aren't making educated financial decisions aren't smart. But, but in fairness to what you said, again, we're not taught about money in school. No. We're not taught no. about the fiat currency system. We're not taught about the financial mechanisms. And as such, we don't realize that the 20 pound that we're holding today is worth less than it was yesterday. Yep. That's the hard reality. Yet smart money does. You know, they, yep. they, they, they have... They make different choices about their store value, whether it's property, gold, precious metals, other asset forms, bonds, stocks, a whole range of assets. Now, I know that, pe again, coming to this point, people are going to say, well, I, you know, what assets do I have to invest? Again, this is a mind. This starts with a mindset, because what we have right now, and it comes back to the point that we we're making earlier about you know, fighting the system versus taking responsibility for our own circumstances. And we have to do both. It's and both. It's not either or, because if we fight the system and leave ourselves with nothing, then we have nothing to fight with. So financial education, financial independence is a form of armoring, armory, armory. It's a form of arming yourself for the future. It's yeah. a form of protection. It's a form of sovereignty. And it brings me to this concept of locus of control, because uh, if you have an internal locus of control, it's, 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 and a locus of control, by the way, refers to your perception about the underlying causes of events in your life and your circumstances. Someone with an internal locus of control believes that they are in control of their own reality and they can take responsibility for their own actions despite what happens in the world. And I think what we're trying to get across is that measure of internal control and how we can increase that because it gives us greater sovereignty over our own choices. Whereas if you've got an external locus of control, you blame external forces for your own circumstances. And again, I can totally understand that. The last three years yeah. have really, you know, <laughs> you didn't choose what the government was doing. You know, we didn't choose the policy. We didn't choose that the European Union is approving this new digital ID system and paving the way for uh, central bank digital currencies we didn't choose that so it's understandable that we look outside ourselves what's happening it's important to do that to be informed and educated but if we if we if we stay there and we don't come back to ourselves that internal locus of control and say okay the lands the map is changing the compass is changing where do i how do i orientate myself and what can i do to act right now and there are things that we can do to tackle those things of course but again coming back to the point if we're thinking long term and if i mean i don't know who would disagree with the idea that 
you know, part of the world's problems right now is we're so short-termist and so live in a world of instant gratification that the failure to look long-term is part of our deepest problems right now. Yep. To take a long-term perspective, which means that we look at our own circumstances, we bring that internal locus of control. We say, I'm going to empower myself financially so that actually I can withstand no matter what they throw at me. So if you're in a position, what that means now is if you're in a position now where you don't have assets, and that's many of us, you know, we, we are fortunate to live in a privileged in the West, with with some degree of privilege over some of the developing world, you know, some some parts of the world live on less than a dollar a day. You know, it's 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 insane how privileged we are compared to some parts of the world. And I'm not speaking for everyone, but it's it's a generalization. But nonetheless, we all have a range of financial circumstances. You know, within our audience who watch this show, huge range of circumstances. But the thing that we seem to find in common amongst those who really engage with us is those who have that internal locus of control. They want to take responsibility. They want to become financially independent so that they can withstand whatever storm is thrown at them. And that's the key here. To me, awareness is the first step, understanding how the mechanisms work, understanding how the system works, and understanding your own circumstances and your role in that, and then taking the power back for yourself. Now, you know, everyone has different financial goals. You know, I talked about financial freedom earlier. Not everyone wants to, you know, develop financial freedom in an infinite abundance and wealth. That's okay. But if you do, well, it's in your hands. You know, it's in your capability. So whatever your circumstances are right now, it starts with a decision. It starts with an awareness of both your own circumstances and the world around you. And then making the choice today about which direction you're going to take. Because it starts with that awareness. Education comes next. And then we can make different financial decisions. Because, of course, as you've mentioned, the quote-unquote smart money are making different decisions. But that power to make those decisions isn't reserved to that no. group you know the the money in the world isn't reserved for the wealthiest few it might feel like it at times when the inequality is so wide but if we bring it back to ourselves and say how do we how you know it's a zero-sum game how do we make our path clear so that we can make our own slice you know we can we can we can create our own abundance and take our own slice of the pie and, you know, there's a whole money mindset conversation around that, Sam, because, you know, in the world that we live in right now, when you have these globalist technocrats who happen to be the financial and economic elite, you know, there's an association with that power and that influence. But by giving all of our power to them, we take away our own power and influence. And yeah. to me, financial education, financial empowerment, financial independence is about that armory taking our own power back. So we become resilient, but we also become proactive agents of our own future. Yeah, and, and a, a big trick of the kind of control structure is the kind of Wizard of Oz, um, you know, effect of wanting to believe that they're all powerful, but really they 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 rely on you taking bad decisions, you know, and and not getting educated. And so I think that's really important to look at that there are things you can do, you know. And again, there is that's that's never denying that there's a huge amount of control and what's gone on is horrific and is continue to be horrific. I'm never I'm never getting away from that fact, but it's also you know same with the with you know the the experimental injections all that kind of thing. it was still a choice whether people go yes there was lots of coercion whatever but education was a way out of that for a lot of people of understanding why perhaps that isn't such a good choice and same with the financial structure you know they don't want you to understand they want you to damn yourself very much in the markets you know again they, they by corralling your emotions and giving you bad info and and you not being the captain of ship and able to make good decisions so the way out of so many things to improve situation is education now, it's not a panacea, Dan. I think that's often people want some idea of what do I do to end this all or do that. I don't have that answer. Nobody does. But if we're looking to go to improvement and we're looking to build more resilience to uh, 
to have more options and to see where we go. And you talk about almost building that armor because it's a, it's full spectrum. That for me is it's building resilience at every level. So we've got more options and we and we are stronger, ready to build different solutions, work with people. You know, and 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 that's that's why for me it's part of the longer term improvement. And there is no set roadmap. But if you're improving and you're escaping from more and more tricks, you know, be it be it from you know the medical system or even from from the financial system, then you are improving your sovereignty and your your empowerment and and taking back control of your own decisions and lives and making your decisions rather than somebody else making them for you. Then you're on your way to improvement. And you know, I don't get cheesy, but there's a really important story Dan that I wanted to share because I went to um went to an amazing talk a few weeks ago by a lady who studies the consciousness of water, right? And she's called Veda Austin. And she's really followed up on Mazuru Emoto's work. I think many of us as well have heard of Emoto's work because he was a real pioneer of looking at, you know, the amazing structure of water. And if you put intentions in it, you know, how you how when you froze it, you get incredibly beautiful, you know, beautiful uh, sacred geometry appearing. And, you know, whereas if you put negative intention on it and scarcity, you get, uh, you know, the, the quite the opposite. Well, she did something that, that really resonated with me and our kind of discussion about getting empowered and being that change you want to see and how that can spread. So she took some eggs then, right? Because everything's got water in it. So they freeze it. You still get to see that amazing crystalline structure and what she could see. So she took an amazing, you know, free range egg, you know, um, laid by a hen who'd had a wonderful life, been loved and nurtured, had a you know beautiful place to live. And of course, it had incredible crystalline structure and amazing geometry in there and, you know, really beautiful. And then she did the same with about four battery farmed chicken eggs and of course it was quite different really stark difference you know but what was interesting she then did the experiment again after putting the battery eggs around in proximity next to but circling around the free range egg in the middle and what was incredible obviously it's not as we know on a level we can't see anything happening she then did the experiment again and all of them had improved vastly improved just by being in proximity to the really i mean literal good egg no pun intended but it just showed to me the power of one thing in the middle being being raising its vibration and being very positive and incredible it actually lifted things up around it and i thought that's really important that that's part of resistance if we get more empowered then we are automatically even without doing anything probably raising up you know people's awareness around us or whatever but we also can help more people around us and so that for me is why you know looking at this is really important because it gives it's not about just helping yourself by helping yourself and your you are helping your community your and that spreads and the more that spreads you show these pods the more options we've got the more power we've got to build solutions and, and people in a better state so i view it in that holistic manner dan and i think that's important but the holistic manner is not just thinking about those nice stories of power it's actually aligning both that those ideas and those thoughts with small actions taking positive actions and, and almost doing the boring parts you know the understanding the charts you know to a basic level of where you are understanding what other assets you could move into understanding how you can improve your situation that might not be glamorous but this is part of the improvement and for me you know in, in on this roadmap if we can all improve and get stronger then that's going to help us down the line there's no doubt about that it has to at, at every level Yes, I mean those those examples are amazing metaphors for for the situation we find ourselves in. The skeptical part of my mind wants to see it repeated, but even if even if you see the brain scan, you know, you look at a brain scan when you're in negativity, positivity, fear, anger versus um, uh, inspiration, 
engagement, hope, desire, etc. The different parts of your brain. You know, it, it's clear that the way, the way we think determine has a role in playing in our mm. reality, as does the people we surround ourselves with. Yeah. You know, they always the, the old phrase is, you know, become you become the average of the five people you spend most time with. So if you spend most of your time with unhealthy people, there's a good chance you're unhealthy yourself and make unhealthy choices. If you spend your time with financially affluent people, there's a really good chance that you'll rise up to meet a similar level. And the same is true with anything, like healthy relationships. So there's, there's some really important parts here because again, in the world that we live in, the digital world, and I see this on a daily basis, you know, you get those who have the internal locus of control that I talked about who are seeking to take personal responsibility and they're taking very different actions uh, from those who have the external response, uh, locus of control and they're looking to blame and victim and almost, you know, they, they won't confess it. They're not gonna look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a victim, but ultimately the behavior is of a victim mindset. And it's, it's, it's hard to hear because yep. what, what the internal locus of control requires us to look in the mirror and often we're left naked. We're left vulnerable because if we aren't in the financial position we want to be in, we feel all kinds of emotions around that. And it's hard to confront that reality. Yeah. But the real, the real, the real ingredient to create change at this moment in time is not only courage, but resilience in these times. And it requires us therefore to come back to ourselves in order to understand, because it's absolutely right. We're almost looking for the magic bullet solution. That's going to change the thing overnight. You know, it's like, let's abolish the WEF and then the whole thing's going to collapse and the whole thing will change. Look at how many regime changes in history have failed on that basis where they've taken out a dictator or they've taken out an authoritarian regime. And then it's followed by another one. That's maybe a slightly lesser or sometimes even greater version of what they replaced. The, re the reality is there is no instant solution. So we get a lot of comments saying, you know, what's the solution? The people who say that aren't really listening. They're not really listening or willing to look at themselves in the mirror and see themselves as part of the solution. It's abdicating responsibility. It's passing the buck. And that might be hard for you to hear. I know it's going to trigger some people, but let's be honest. Those who, you know, stand at the side of the arena passing judgment on what other people are doing aren't the people who are in the arena trying to make change. You have to ask yourself, are you going to be someone who's on the sidelines or are you someone who's in the game? And if you make the choice to be in the game, you're taking sovereignty over your own choices and actions. And the hard reality is the long term thinking on this is if you change, then you'll help your family change. You'll help your community change. You'll help your city change or your, your, your wider area. And before long, continents change and the cosmos change. That ripple effect is it takes time. You're not going to notice it on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, we're looking for the radical solution that's going to change things in an instant. You know, there may be some things. There may be some things that can help speed up change. We live in a time of very rapid development. But ultimately, it's, it's the consistent actions over time that create change. So coming back to the point around wherever your financial circumstances are right now, because these conversations are always hard for people who are f feeling financial stress and suffering. And I can empathize with that. I've been through it myself. You know, and I'm still, you know, long, long term, I'm still dealing with this, the impact of, you know, 10 years ago, when I started my business, I went through three years of stress, struggle and sacrifice, you know, went broke, got myself deeply in debt, you know, that kind of an intense amount of stress, but my mindset all the way through was as long as my head still works, you know, my brain still functions, and this thing here still beats, and I still care about myself and my future, and my family and the world that I live in, I will make different choices over time, and things will improve. And that has been the case. And it's, you know, anyone that's been in an entrepreneurial path will know the zigzag journey, you know, kind of mirrors a heartbeat, like this is the rhythms of life. But nonetheless, having that internal locus of control, that decision 
to focus on a brighter future for yourself is a way that we create change. Like, so all of the people who throw rocks and say you're not providing solution, the solution is, part of the solution is you taking responsibility for your own financial future and your own circumstances. So whether that's at a point where you're looking to increase your earnings, your income, your, uh, your wealth, or whether you're looking to protect your assets or secure your finances, it doesn't matter what part of the equation you're in because everyone has different circumstances. Everyone has different financial goals. And as a result, and everyone has different, different attitudes to risk. You know, some people are like going into the Bitcoin market is incredibly scary. It's too risky. It's too volatile. It's also where the, you know, the highest potential reward is right now. You know, one of the highest potential rewards is, but that's where people have different preferences. It doesn't mean that you go there if, if it's not within your goals or your values or your needs. Everyone is different. And part of the work, again, part of the work is understanding yourself to understand those things so you can make different choices. Again, that's coming back within ourselves. And again, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, yeah, we just want a solution down to the financial system. What about the financial system? Quite frankly, you know, I studied economics. I've looked at this for like the last 10 years. I have some ideas. But it's a blind spot. You know, it's, it's it, particularly now in a global world that we live in and the interconnected world. How do you create change? It, 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 it creates it, it requires us to think locally. It requires us to think on a decentralized basis. But I still can't come back. can't stop coming back to until we take responsibility of this present moment. If until we take responsibility under the current circumstances, how can we expect things to change if there's a system change? So the first thing for me is to understand the reality. And Sam, I'd, I'd love to put some just numbers. You know, we started this saying you're robbed, you're being robbed. And, you know, I, I really want to make it tangible for people so they really understand. So let me use the example that I used in my newsletter this week. If you had 50 grand in the bank at the beginning of 2021, you'll be shocked that you might be shocked to discover that it's only worth 43,000 today. And again, remember, you think, oh, hang on a minute, I'm checking my bank balance. It still says 50 grand then. <laughs> Well, it might say a little bit more of that fragment of interest that you got if you spent some more. It's the same story as the £20 note. You're looking at the £20 note, it still says £20 on it. The 50000 in your bank will still say 50000 on it, plus or minus a little bit, depending on interest or expenditure. But when you adjust for inflation, because inflation is happening every day, every minute of every day, it represents a drop in purchasing power of £7,000. So what you were able to buy for fifty grand in 2021 Today is seven grand less, the, the equivalent of a, of a secondhand car. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. What's worse, if you go back in time, if you put 50 grand in your bank 20 years ago in 2003, 2003, 20 years ago now, man, crazy. <laughs> That's how fast money disappears then. In this That's system. how fast money disappears. That's how fast time flies. But um, you would have lost over half of its value. Again, it might still say 50 grand on your bank balance. But due to inflation, it'd be worth less than 25 grand in today's money. That what you could buy with 50 grand in, tw in 2003 is, is, is worth less than 25 grand today. The harsh reality is if you're holding all your money in cash as a store of value, Sam's distinction, versus your transactional money. We're not saying take cash out of the system because when you move cash into another asset, it doesn't remove the cash from the system. It stays in the system. We're not, we're not, we're not, that, that, that's not a threat to cash. But if you hold all of your money in cash, your savings are literally being eroded. And if you don't do anything about it, if you don't look at other asset classes, which is, again, what smart money does, you know, it's about education. It's, 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 it, we need to dis demystify it. You know, property, gold, precious metals, bonds, equities. You know, people who have made financial choices to become empowered will make different financial decisions and they will hold different assets. Now, that's a whole world of complexity that we're trying to simplify. It's simple, but not easy. So, but the important point is to know the graph, as Sam says, 
you know, know the chart that you're in and know that inflation and particularly right now when it's, you know, close to double digits, your money is eroding faster than ever before. So if you're someone that's got, you know, an, an amount of money in cash, whether it's in a savings account, a bank account, under your bed, wherever it is. And let's just think about money. Let's take the term cash off the table because it, what it does is it triggers people into we need to save cash. We're not saying we don't need to save cash. What we're trying to do right now is help you save your money because yeah. if it stays in the bank account as it stands, you're losing cash. Every, you're, you're losing value. You're losing value. Let's talk in real terms. You're losing yeah. value every single day. Whereas there are other asset classes that hedge against that loss of value. That's why during times of high inflation, times of financial uncertainty throughout history, people turn to physical assets and different asset classes that can help prevent help to help to uh, preserve the value that you've earned and let's not forget if you have assets in your bank account you've earned that or you've inherited it or you you know either way it's your money to protect because yeah. the heist right now is taking that money away you know that your ability to spend it on, on goods and services is dwindling so that's why we're here to say tell this story because it's important that you have to see it that you have to see it in order to know it there's an extra factor, Dan, because it's exactly that, protecting value. And I'm so pleased you said, you know, people get triggered by the words money or whatever. But again, it's your energy. It's your time. It's what you've worked hard for to store that somehow. So it's just a means of storing that energy and the output and, your, you know, the services you've offered. And so I think, you know, that's why a discussion of big social money is very important. But not only are you protecting that, but because you're, you're moving out of the most centralized asset. OK, when you talk about fiat currency. It is printed and controlled centrally by the people you're railing against. Totally control the supply, control its legal tender status. Okay, so not only moving out of that store your your value in in another asset, you are also taking back more and more control because you can move into assets that are not centrally controlled, as in you know their their validity or their or their supply is not controlled by the people who are trying to rob you or trying to control you. So it's it's twofold. You're both collecting value and taking back more control. So I always say this, if you, you know, sitting in a large cash position, you know, the danger is, yes, of not only just the increase in value, but also that, that there could be a switch over at some point saying, well, hang on, we, we're moving that over to CBDC. You need to bank that back into our system. We may ask you where it's come from. Will you allow all of it back through? So the, the status of that can change. I'm not saying it's going to, but you have that awareness that it can, whether you like it or not, whether you believe they're, their statutes, their laws, their legal acts that have any um, reality in, in, in proper law is it kind of irrelevant because the majority of people believe that and that's how they won't, it does function. So you're at that risk of it, you know, having something that can be no longer legal tender. We've seen it just in a, in a, in a small way where an old note can, you know, you need to cash it into the new note there. Now that's not, you know, that, that, that happens, that can be very normal. But even that level, that same note at some point is no longer valid. Absolutely. It's not worth anything. Yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, holding assets that whatever happens in the world, when you wake up tomorrow, you wake up in six months, you always say this, you know, gold is still gold. Bitcoin is still Bitcoin. You know, your tangible things, like, I don't know, if you, even if you bought some food or you stockpiled things you need, those things, they are what they are, whatever happens. Because their, their status is not centrally controlled, you know, by, by institutions. I think that's really important to understand. They are what they are. The problem with that is, is it's changing all the time in terms of its value you know, and its supply, but it also its status could even change. And, you know, and we're, we're in, we're in unprecedented time. You can use that word. Let's go. We're in uncharted territory. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. You know, so we don't know. So you, you've shown very clear there that, you know, obviously from, you know, 2003 onwards, you know, stark change in that. 
But we're in even more tumultuous times where we've seen already countries like Turkey go to, you know, um, 80 percent inflation last year. I mean, extraordinary. Those people are clamoring at that point. Those people in those countries are aware. So I think what can happen, particularly in, in countries like the UK and West, people can be lapsed into a full sense of security. Now, you speak to people in South American countries where their currency failed. They understand the problem with currencies, fiat mm. currencies, very mm. clearly. Perhaps because it's been, although it's been very stark, as you said, Dan, over that long period, people haven't noticed it. When you look at it, it is stark, but they haven't noticed happening in real time. Those, those countries where currencies have literally failed, fiat currencies come in their lifespan, which all fiat countries have to, those people are under no illusion that, 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 that storing wealth there is solid. Okay. And, you know, that's where they're clamoring for more solid currencies or clamoring to get gold. There was a huge clamor from Turkey, people in the street, to move any level of money, whether it's five pounds worth, into precious metals during that process, because they understood how much value they're losing daily, their inflation. So that's really important. The other factor I want to be really clear about is there's a big difference about being aware of the problems to being obsessed by them. <laughs> okay and, and it's it's we can all fall into that obsession because yep. they really start problems and there are huge problems but being obsessed by them eats up all our energy and stops us seeing solutions so i think it is trying to find this balance of awareness vigilance but not staying in obsession because once you know they are you know them then you can what that stops you doing is seeing solutions or spending the energy learning about other ways and that's where that obsession and that victimhood is is you know, detrimental to ourselves and detrimental to, you know, the, the resisting the, the, the longer term agendas. Because we're stuck in there, we're actually not having the energy or even the ability to see things. Because as we know, when you're stuck in those kind of emotions, you're not seeing opportunity. So I think it's a, but people who do well, they see the problem and then they switch their energy into what else, what else can I do? What else so, is out there? You've got to keep your eyes open. And if your eyes are just obsessed by the problem, then that's going nowhere. You know, yeah. that's what's a really important shift. Yeah, it's so important. And it, come, it plays into that dynamic of internal, external locus control again, because if you're in the external, look at external problems, you're not bringing it back into what can I do? Yeah. And I remember in corporate, I used to travel quite a lot of my work and I'd listen to various different CDs at the time. For those of you <laughs> of a similar age where we listen to even cassette tapes. I remember my car, car having cassette tapes. Or even, yeah, even a, or a mini disc then. Mini disc, <laughs> yeah, all those things. Oh, good old days. Uh, anyway, so I listened to this guy, Brian Tracy, who he's extensively studied the habits and behaviors and attitudes of people who are most successful, prosperous by all every intent, not just financial or, or career success, looking at people who have healthy relationships and, you know, uh, make a contribution to society and, and make a difference in the world. And he talked about this difference between how, and we'll just use arbitrary terms, you know, use it however you will, but how successful people are solution orientated. Mm and unsuccessful people are problem orientated. Yeah. And that's the distinction there where we become obsessed by the problem. We should be coming obsessed by the solution, actually, yeah. but not to the, not, again, obsession on either side is not healthy, really, actually, if you look at it, because again, you know, I've worked with many different businesses prior to COVID. I spent a lot of time helping startups and people have ideas to turn their ideas into reality. That really is my joy zone when I'm working with people who have solutions to problems and help them to make them become reality. But if you fall in love with your product, instead of the customer and the problem you're trying to solve, then actually um, you, you can end up building something that, that, that is for no one. So it's that healthy balance between understanding the problem and the root cause of the problem. Because again, you know, if you look at that, if, you, you know, if you've got a cough or a headache or you know, you're feeling sluggish, 
you could say, well, that's the problem. I just need to do X, Y, and Z and I'll get better. But what's actually causing that? What's the root cause? What's the root causal issue? Because we end up getting short, you know, people take a paracetamol or a, you know, a headache tablet to feel better, or they have a coffee to get more energy, but actually not getting to the root cause, which is actually creating the problem. The same is true in our financial story. You know, so we need to get to the depths of what the root causes are. And that does take us into the same twin problem of the financial system in this case, but also human condition, human behavior. It's the two that they're always interplay. There's interplay between the two. So when we look at that, okay, you know, we're looking at how do we change the financial system? That's a big conversation. So it, it comes back to what can we do today to alter our own circumstances with that solution focus and deciding, making just powerful decisions about how you can improve your own financial future. And that starts with the awareness. So I gave you some numbers with the money in your bank account, the money in your bank account. What about your pensions? Yeah, it doesn't take a genius to guess that your retirement funds are also under attack too because of inflation. And I was shocked to discover that the average pension pot in the UK for someone aged 60 plus is 107,000 pounds. Now, depending on how long you're gonna live, uh, once you retire, you know, how far will that money go is, is, is not clear. It depends, you know, on your lifespan. And, but, but the, the, the Pension B um, website who actually put these, this data together said if you actually want a comfortable lifestyle, you need somewhere between six and seven times that amount. Um, the average obviously encompasses people who haven't got any retirement plans, uh, don't have pension pots, et cetera. But let's just take your pension pot. Let's use that amount. Let's use the average amount. If you're 60, year old, if you're 60 years old today, and the average inflation rate until your retirement over the next eight years, and put it this way, you know, like how long is this inflation going to stay at this level for? If your average inflation rate for the next eight years is 5%, your pension pot in the next eight years will need to grow by just under 50 grand to maintain its value of what it is today. 50 grand. If your average pension, if the average pension pot today is 107,000 pounds, you basically need half that amount again in the next eight years to keep place of inflation. You know, so that's either through some radically, you know, go shifting the pension pot up to high risk and hope that the reward massively outstrips inflation. Obviously, you take risks doing that or earning enough money in the next eight years to contribute an extra 50K. And, and it gets worse. If you're younger, than you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm only 50. I'm all right. I've got more time. Yeah, you do. But actually, the problem is compounded. If inflation doesn't normalize and, and, and become lower over the next... Um, 18 years, if you're 50, and who knows what the retirement age will be uh, by the time you reach 60 plus when, when you're in your 50s today, or 40s in my case, coming up to my 40th birthday next week. So the point is, inflation is not only eroding, eroding your cash, your money, it's also crushing your pensions and your investments. And if your pension pot is higher than the national average, then of course, the problem's only compounded. So it's important to understand this because how you allocate your funds today, the store of value is massively important, whether you're looking at your regular money and savings or whether you're looking at a pension pot. Because, you know, we were with Josh Saul from the Pure Gold Company on Wednesday telling people how they can diversify their pension pot into physical metals, into precious metals. Fascinating to see how that can be done. Fascinating to see how things can be done on a tax-free basis. But we're not here to promote gold or precious metals. We're here just to tell you about the importance of diversification and asset allocation. You know, that's, that's really key. And also just at a simple level to understand where your money is and what chart you're in. Yeah. And again, I really, I, I really want to drill the point home because I know we have a very diverse group of financial circumstances amongst our audience. The great news is on financial terms of financial uncertainty, there's actually more opportunity than ever to, at any other time because 
the chips are in the air, chaos reigns, and in chaos, the people who can ground themselves and make empowered decisions can make radical uh, shifts in their own financial future. Yeah. There's a reason why more people become millionaires and billionaires during uh, the course of a recessionary period. You know, it's it's. But but again, it takes grounding, understand the horizon, and to uh, notice therefore where the solutions and the opportunities lie. Because, you know, let's face it. <laughs> If you ask anyone, is there going to be more uncertainty in the next few years or less uncertainty? Most people don't understand there's going to be more external uncertainty, external uncertainty. But how much inter internal certainty can you bring to the situation today and the choices that you make? Now, where there's problems in the world, there is opportunities. And again, whilst people would agree there's more uncertainty in the world, I think most people would agree there's more problems. Who's going to solve those problems? It comes back to, you know, I always get it in the comments. What are you going to do, Dan? It's like, well, I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And I'm going to keep doing it as, as, to the best of my ability. But what are you going to do? What problem are you going to solve? And are you going to solve your own problems rather than come to me to say that what, it's my responsibility to save the world? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't shoulder that. You know, I have enough stresses in my life as it is. The question is, what can each of us do to become empowered during this time? What can each of us do? And, you know, the, the point is everyone has different there's, there's, there's different solutions for everyone. You know, we're not here to prescribe and say you move all your money into gold. That's the thing. That's dangerous. That's risky thinking. It's about how do you diversify? Like if you've got assets, how do you diversify them? How can you look through the patterns through history to see what, what people normally do in, in terms of financial uncertainty, recession, geopolitical conflicts? You can already see that people move it to physical assets like precious metal. That happens time and time again. People also look to bonds, but again, like there's growing skepticism about the ability for, for governments to actually, um, you know, in the same way that there was the run on gold in the 70s. Look at the bonds now. You know, the governments are so in debt. Do you actually trust that they can repay you? <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. But we can look to history for guidance and we can look to the future for optimistic, uh, an optimistic view and we can make different decisions. So, you know, what's the solution? Well, my, my solution is firstly, understand the chart you're in. Sam, love that, that the way you described that. Secondly, is you've got to start exploring. If you have assets, it's about exploring different asset classes and, and how you can diversify your income. If you already have a financial advisor, again, understand the, the, the pros and cons of financial advice because, you know, their, their goal is to keep your money invested because their commission depends on it. You know, if you're, if, if you're, the, if you're at the edge of a financial recession, your financial advisor isn't going to tell you to take the money out of the stock market, even if it's going to crash. But they should be looking how, how different funds are going to perform and how they can mitigate it. But they're not going to tell you to take money out and put it in gold. Some might if they're not tied to the stock markets. So it's about assessing where you're at, understanding the circumstances. And, you know, when I was in financial services, Sam, 10 years ago, you know, I, I saw the banking crisis and I vowed that I would, you know, I do everything in my power to help people avoid those problems because I saw it firsthand. And the, the ones that suffered the most, the ones that buried their head in the sand yep. and did exactly some of the things we're talking about today and avoiding the, avoiding the responsibility because it's deeply uncomfortable to confront the brutal reality sometimes of our own circumstances. But we have to. We have to yep. be brave. We have to be courageous. We have to take a look at our circumstances, orientate ourselves and act in accordance with our goals, our values and our desired future. 100% Dan, no one's going to come and knock on your door and give you a breakdown of all the options and from a holistic point of view and lay it all up and go and do it in an afternoon. You have to take the steps towards that. And I'm, I always say it down like that. Yeah, there is no right answer. But what a lot of people in situations don't even understand the options that exist. Yes, that's what I'm passionate about is, is exploring options. And often that's a real light bulb moment. People go, I didn't even know that was a possibility. A lot of people Dan, I'm sure wouldn't be aware that they can move their pension into gold. Yes. With a lot of the SIP riders, that that's the thing that can actually be done. You know, uh, you know, 
quite, quite simply through through somebody like you know Josh at, at Pure Gold, and 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 I think it's understand those options, and I you know it comes back to crypto. People say I don't want to be stuck in Bitcoin. Well, that's why I educate about you can have your value in Bitcoin, and you can be very liquid. You'd spend it with your debit card, and once you understand that, you can shift that. But no one's going to come and give that info to you. You just step towards it, and if you go on that journey, you you will you know options will appear and solutions that you didn't even know existed, and then you get a framework. And then, then you start to see things and see things differently. And I think that's what's so important to do, understand those options and, you know, not just options of where you're going to sit your value, but also options. Yeah, how can I be liquid? You know, how can I spend that? What are my needs? And that you'll be surprised there's many more things available out there than you're even aware of. You know, I talk about the options of digital gold. I think I might do that next crypto cafe. Look at the way of sitting in, that in a crypto form in tokenized gold and silver that remains liquid. So that's another way of having, you know, tangible metals being your store value. but not necessarily actually having them or joining them. So pros and cons to all assets, Dan, as we know. And like you said there, decentralizing your expertise so that you're you're dealing with people who are going to give you a holistic view. Because as you said there, a lot of these, you know, financial advisors will have vested interests. And really, can you get an holistic view? And and that exists, but you have to find it. That's hopefully what, what we want to do is give you a holistic view. We're not pushing anything saying this is the way, but look at that and you can find good people. There are, like we said, the Gold Cup, they're there to educate. Find people who, who really want to have open discussions and, and really clarity, and that's going to really help you. So that's that's another level of decentralizing even your expertise. You know, you're not going to places, companies, you're finding people, you have a relationship with chat to, and that's how it should be. You know, that's your hard-earned value, your you know, your time, your energy, or maybe it's your families and it's been passed. However it's come to being, that is something that's precious to you and energetic and gives you more options. And like I said, gives gives us all a lot more options in terms of building solutions. That's another point. It's not it's not having numbers on a screen for the sake of it. It's because that gives real world possibility of buying more land, building more projects that support people. And, and again, the people who've been doing that and you and I know many of them, Dan, have seen them in action and visited these these solutions. What's going on? They have built structures that are supporting people now growing projects, you know, schooling places where people can learn really important things. They've not done that by just railing at the problems in the last three years. They are fully aware of the problems, but their energy has gone into not denying they exist, but actually building solutions that's helped themselves, but also has helped people around them. And that's immeasurable. And I think that's what I'm passionate about, that we protect our value and, and get savvy about not being robbed, not being uh, corralled into dependence on the state as much as possible. You know, there's no panacea. You must be. But in previous situations, you've got more options. I would say to people, you know, if CBDCs do you know, roll out, across the board do i want to be stuck only in that system do i want to have some value outside system some way of transacting even in a small way that is an improvement you know i think that's why you don't have to have lofty goals from where you are I think i must get there in the next two years any way you start to improve that if it's you know stacking a little bit of gold or silver stacking a small bit of bitcoin you know if i was in a position where you know you, you could only put 50 quid a month aside would i be putting that in savings right now personally no sticking 50 quid into Bitcoin or silver or gold or something really need that could build up over time and, and do really well for you, you know? So I think, you know, look at small steps in previous situations. I always say to people, do you feel more decentralized and more in control this week than last week? That in, in, in essence is an improvement and you're on a great path and where that's going to lead, who knows, but that's a path of improvement and, you know, things can grow from there. Other windows can approach, but you're in motion. You're on your way. You're not stuck in a game that's rigged against you and and paralyzed not taking any action 
And that's a, those are two different worlds. And I know which world I want to be. And I know how much better people feel are in motion and doing something. And they're not attached to what the final outcome is going to be because no one knows. But if yeah. you're taking good steps, taking good steps is worth it, however things going to play out. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of power in that, Sam. You, you know, there's so much that comes from motion. When, when we become overwhelmed, we tend to slow, you know, come to us halt. You know, we, 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 we become a rabbit in the headlights. You know, it's, it's, I've experienced it in the last 12 months. You know, it's you know, the, 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 the kind of adage that we're in a battle, you know, good, between good and evil, you know, people say, and it's, there's all these things happening. It's very easy to get into the, that story and, and feel completely uh, alienated, isolated, frustrated, despair. Um, and, and it's that, it's that energy that brings us into inaction, sadly, um, or it brings us into distraction. That's, you know, it's inaction or distraction. And um, there is worthy activity that we can take to actually resist G CBDCs, for instance. There's lots of work that we can be do doing there. You know, the, the, the latest announcements of the European Union's digital yep. ID, you know, there's already work being done on that. So, but, but that cannot come at the expense of ignoring our own circumstances. And, you know, if, if people do use the kind of warlike analogies, as we said earlier on, and, and was I concur the sentiment, you know, in, in the current geopolitical world, I feel a little uncomfortable with that when I see literally children dying every day, to use the same analogy, and it, it, it breaks my heart, you know, I've got I'm a young, you know, I've got a young son. So I understand the sense that we're in a fight at a resistance. Um, but also the sense of fight can come from a sense of victimhood. And it's, 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 and a sense of loss. And, and I, and again, I felt that myself, and I understand the energy, but when we change it to a place of empowerment and a place of uh, constructive, optimistic uh, view of the world moving forward, then we take different actions yep. uh, without losing the sentiment that there is urgency and there is things to be done. But I think about the stories that my grandfather told me um, when he went to war in World War II. You know, fortunately, he lived through that period and I was able to, you know, he lived a good life until he was, you know, nearly 100 years old. And I, had the pleasure and displeasure of hearing the stories of the things that he went through. But the thing I learned most fundamentally before he was stationed in different parts of the world, he would always make sure that his house was in order, meaning he never knew it, but he was going to be coming back. And as a result, he, you know, he took good care of his loved ones. He made sure his home was in good order. His finances were in good order so that if the worst happened, he was prepared and his family were prepared. So, I tell that story because if you feel like we're in a battle right now, and I'm sure many of us do, it's important we take care of our home first because we don't know what's going to happen in the external world. We live in deeply uncertain times, but we have to prepare and look after our own homes first because if we can't do that, then we leave ourselves vulnerable. This whole conversation is about that. Um, and that can feel um, uncomfortable. But again, speaking to my grandfather, he, he felt a sense of duty and a sense of power in having to do that. You know, so it's let's use what's happening in the world right now to get our house in order, you know, face the uncomfortable realities that we may be facing in our own in our own front door. You know that that for some of us, we know that we've got some really abundant people within our network. We also have some people who are, are dealing with scarcity right now. And there's plenty of people in the world dealing with scarcity because as all the things we've talked about, the inequalities mean that the middle class is being stripped of its assets. The lower, you know, you know, the, the lower end of the economic scale is, is, is struggling more than ever in 
in some terms, you know, because again, quality of life, let's, let's respect the fact that we have a higher quality of life thanks to economic growth. Um, the, 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 even the, even the, those hardest affected in the, the Western world have, have, have privileges that many before us wouldn't have had. But whatever your circumstances right now, and this is what we did in the first week of the Navigating the Financial Reset, is to take a breath and to, to get our house in order. Have a look at your net worth. Have a look at your current assets. Have a look at your current debts and look at your position. Confront that reality. You know, some of you will have more than you think you have. Some will have less than you think you have. But until we can confront that reality and understand your position, how can you make a change? So, you know, that's, that's the first step for me really is to understand your own circumstances, get our own house in order. Because if you want to take the analogy of we're in a battle and I get it, you've got a duty to look care of, take care of your own first. Um, that's, that's, that's the hard reality. And it's easy to get caught up in what's happening in the world and lose sight of that. So we've got to breathe. We've got to slow down. We've got to take, take care of ourselves, um, take stock of our current reality, and then look at what options are available to us. Because if you are going to use that warlike mentality, then you wouldn't leave for battle without first putting things in place to ensure that your, your family are look, 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 looked after. So it, it takes the courage to look in the mirror right now and to look at the numbers and to break down what our situation is and therefore start to look at options. And we understand the, the difficulties of becoming aware. You know, this, this, the financial world is deliberately complex. You know, there's a reason why people need accountants and lawyers and, you know, because they keep jargon to keep regular people disempowered. You know, actually finances, when you remove the veneer of the complexity, can be very simple, but not easy. Again, even looking at something like gold or Josh, there's so many nuances. Uh, fascinating conversation. But start the process. Start the process of becoming informed. And, you know, what can you do? Well, you can come and, jo you can come and join us. <laughs> we get together twice of a month, twice a month to look at all this stuff in detail, you know. <laughs> with all the accusations we get for like shilling for Bitcoin or gold. We want to bring you, we want to bring education across all the asset yeah. classes. Yeah. We're not telling you to do any of these things. You well, can... to, to talk about today's episode, if you're shilling for anything, I'm shilling for not getting robbed. Yes. If you accuse me of shilling for anything, I'll say I'm shilling for people not getting robbed. Right? Yes. Helping people not get robbed. That's, 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 you know, that, well, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, we've got to stop using this crazy language. You know, it's 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 just it, again, it's psychological maturity. How do we have an adult, mature conversation about finances without getting childlike and all these kind of responses? Again, I understand people's emotional energies around money. I get it; it's charged, it's electric, but you know, it's it's all because we're not taught to mentally and emotionally prepare ourselves for, for our own financial circumstances. You know, yeah. no, no point during my education, even though I studied economics at university, no one talks to you about money. You know, during my economic degree, I learned about the different forms of money supply and how, you know, the money supply is completely distinct from any physical reality, you know? <laughs> and it's just like, what? I can actually get my head around it at first. And for many people, when they see, and they see this kind of veil, when it's lifted, you know, this, uh, this, this legal fiction that is the fiat system, <laughs> um, you know, and the things that we do to great lengths to preserve it, you have to ask, well, is there a different way of doing things? But the first step is to actually understand how we navigate the current reality whilst exploring what new realities can be built. Um, you know, so it's, um, you know, if you, if you want a practical step, you know, very simple practical step, I think the first thing that anyone can do right now is just take the time out to go right. Look at all your bank balances, look at all your savings balances, look at your debt balances, your credit cards, your loans, your mortgages, anything else that you owe, anything else that you hold, and understand your position. Just understand your position. That way you can understand whether you're in, a, in, in a, your, whether you need to get out of debt and into, in, into, into um, 
into the black, you know, into out of the red. Um, look at income generation strategies. Or if you've if you're in if you're in the black, you've got assets. You need to understand how to protect them okay. uh, during this time to stop yourself from being robbed. It's, it, it is that simple. Yep. You know, and I know people want us to wave a magic wand and change a financial system. You know, we can work at that, but it's not easy. It's not you know, it's not easy. You know, you know, and some of the solutions I see are like deeply utopian about like deep equality where everything is equal value. And it's like, well, hang on a minute, you're not looking at the consequences of that. You know, <laughs> you know that's a big conversation. But we should open that. We should open that can of worms on a future episode, Sam. You know, in terms yeah. of some of the solutions that are being purported. But we also we also touch on down that a large part of you know, things shifting at a really big level is a really in my view and i think we discussed it and i think you agree is is a real long-term thing yes because a lot of human behavior has to change you know and, and human behavior can change and i'm very positive about all of that over the long long term you know that's why so i don't see it's a win-lose or a binary you know two three year play out this is this is our lives these are cycles that have played out potentially there are you know awakened ages coming where things are much more people you know start acting much more ethical ways and that would shift that would mean that certain functions would collapse. They just wouldn't wouldn't exist. So there is this interplay, and I think that's where you know it is a it is a long term thinking that actually you know people's human behaviour is affecting how financial markets work and how they function. So it's not just you know it's again it's the system in place mixed with again a lot of very disempowered people in a lot of fear acting out of in a, in unethical manners. Both you know some consciously, some unconsciously. So there's so many factors that play down, which is why. There isn't a, well, this is his assistant. This is what we do. You know, I think that's what people want. That is, that is, you know, not realistic at any level for me. That's why it's a huge topic, but it doesn't stop us making improvements now. It's again, taking a rung on the ladder, you know, if getting more educated, we've got, also we're in, we're in nappies. So, but we, we got to grow up, but that takes lifetimes to happen potentially, or, you know, who knows how this whole realm works. It could be, you know, a shift that takes thousands of years to get to a different level. And I'm fine with that. But I think the point is we're in motion towards that. You know, and the, uh, the other thing I'd say is that, you know, a lot of us with this awareness, we're very keen on trying to help others. But what's the best way to do that and to be, to be strong enough is to help yourself so you are able to help more people. And I mean that both, you know, on all levels, Dan. And that's part of the re resistance to the activism. If you want to help more people, you know, who are waking up to the system and what's going on, more and more people are having that, then being strong and, and being in a good position ourselves is what what means we can we can hold that energy and we can be of service you know if if, we, if everyone's on the floor no one can help anybody else you know so i think that's that's really important and that's part of coming back to yourself which is helping others is about getting your own place in order and and, and being the change you want to see and then from there you've got much more sort of foundations from on all fronts be it in terms of your energy you can share with people even on a practical level what can we offer in terms of projects and growing what can we support you know, what, where can we put some of that value in the future? You know, if we haven't, if we've been wiped out and robbed, we haven't got any, then we haven't got that option where we can put it to support certain things. That's that's why it's a practical step that can help us in, in, in so many ways. Then. Definitely. And I, I think the, the bigger question about financial transformation at the macro scale, the external level is, is an important one. And um, in the future episode, we are going to be talking about the word decentralized finance, which offers uh, potential, at least potential to and we've, we've, we've touched upon elements of decentralized finance over the last uh, 20 so episodes, uh, but we really have kind of given a, a grand overview of what, what's where this new world of financial decentralization is and where it could head. But if you're looking at economic transformation, financial transformation at the, at the grand scale, please do share your 
you know, what you're finding. You know, we'll, we'll love, we'd love to have a look at some of the, the things that you've discovered because lots of people are thinking about how we can change the financial mechanisms and systems. So really, really uh, keen to learn from other people. You know, it's uh, not one of us is going to be, <laughs> you know, responsible for changing the world you know it's, oh, it's about it's, dialogues Dan isn't it it's, it's, I always say dialogues. that I always say that even when I go to talk it's about dialogues it's you know if I'm giving a talk I still want I'm so keen to get a dialogue going hear what what people find themselves and what you know that's that's how we you know if we're all solution more solution oriented and we're coming together to discuss what we've seen then that's exponentially you know increasing our chances of finding solutions and it's it's a process to go through and I think that's the, the old classic is you're not going to arrive there we've got to go through do the work mm -hmm. and you know there is no straight answer to jump to that's absolutely never yeah yeah so um we've talked about our recent gold workshop sam that was within the navigating financial reset program which we host twice a month uh if you're interested in finding out more about that go to weareelevate.org forward slash nfr and you can you can read about what we've got on offer there and join our calls we have recently also made it possible for you to join on a one-off basis so do keep an eye out uh for our um our, our monthly events and we talked about gold. For those of you, if you're interested in gold, we have, um, well, the Pure Gold Company that we've um, recently partnered with have developed a, a free investor guide. If you're interested in that, you can go to thepuregoldcompany.co.uk forward slash uncharted territory podcast, thepuregoldcompany.co.uk forward slash uncharted territory podcast. Download the guide and I'll tell you a little bit about how you can um, enter into the world of precious metals. Um, but let us know in the comments what else you'd like us to cover. You know, what are, what other assets would you like us to explore? What other topics would you like us to uh, unravel? And uh, Josh was one of our recent guests on the show. If there's other financial experts or economic experts, you know, we use that term lightly in this world of te technocracy, um, if, there, if there are aligned people, because that's what we're looking to bring. We're looking to bring aligned people who understand the nature of the world that we're in. They have that deeper awareness. Uh, you know, I don't like using the term awake. They are aware of what's happening in the world. Yeah. We're looking to bring people who understand the broader picture, not just the macroeconomics, um, uh, to, to bring a, a more consolidated, holistic view. So if there are people out there that are doing a really good job of uh, raising financial awareness in the way that, that we do here, we would love to hear about those guests. We're very happy to, to explore bringing them on both to the show here and within our Navigating the Financial Reset program and that's a way that you can play a part in uh, in helping us to to, to develop this uh, this um the show and, and what we're doing to support so as always thank you so much for, for tuning in if you made it this far kudos to you you know it, it, there is no magic bullet there is no simple answer and we have to do the work and you know if you made it this far you're you're, you're already you know 99 percent ahead of most people who aren't willing to go beyond the first few minutes of anything <laughs> to educate themselves <laughs> about the state of reality. So high five to you. And, and thank you, Sam, for another compelling conversation. Thanks, Dan.